0: You're listening to audio from Grove Park Baptist Church. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.groveparkchurch.net. When we think of home, lots of things come to mind. It may be a particular place. More... Could be a particular time in our life. You know, one of the places I often think of when I think of home is Chapel Hill. Yesterday, I was able to talk for a little while with the director of bands at Carolina, Jeff Fuchs, and I felt, and our seats were next to the band where I had spent so many fall afternoons. And for the course of the game, I felt like home, including watching Carolina lose because we did so often back then. Seemed like a normal day. Sometimes, more often than not, I suspect, when we think of home, our mind springs though to a particular structure. When you think of home, you think of a particular structure and it may not necessarily mean the structure in which you currently reside. For the longest time, I would wake up And still sometimes we'll wake up in the middle of the night and not know where I am because I'm used in my mind. I I wake up and I think that I am home and I am home but when I wake up I think I'm supposed to be in rich lands. And so nothing looks right. Now at the same time Our first home together was in Enfield, and so sometimes I'll wake up and think that I'm back in Enfield. I know it might sound crazy, but I do. Why? Because we have firm attachments to our homes. We all know that to have a firm structure of home, one that will stand the test of time, a solid foundation is required. And the same is true for our spiritual homes. Hence, Paul gives us the following admonition in verses 10 through 11 of our text this morning. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can build a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Paul states very clearly this morning that the foundation of each of our homes the foundation that will stand all test of time is the person and work of Jesus Christ it is the gospel in which Christ comes and dies for my sins and your sins and the sins of the whole world. And we accept that gift, that sacrifice by inviting him into our lives. Any foundation that we build upon other than him will not stand. Now, I know some of you are builders And so you're thinking, you've put the cart before the horse, preacher. You can't lay a foundation unless you've got level ground to lay a foundation on. I'm glad you said that. Because even Jesus takes care of that. Notice Isaiah chapter 40. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God, every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. John. The Baptist will take care of this passage later on when he talks about the coming of Jesus and he will say, this is the one. So beloved, did you catch all that this morning? That Jesus not only lays the foundation, but he clears the ground and makes it level. He smooths it all out in our lives. He is our everything. So how about it? Is there a moment this morning in your life where you can think back and and you can say that Christ stepped in and he leveled off everything in your life? That he took your disquieted soul and he laid on it a, a foundation that is unshakable for all time. Is the foundation that you have built your home upon anything less than the sure foundation? of Jesus Christ. Indeed, 1 Peter 2, 7 teaches us, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The cornerstone, the thing everything else is built around in the foundation that sets all of the margins for building. Beloved, understand something this morning. If you have built your life on anything other than Jesus Christ, if you have built your life on anyone other than Jesus Christ, if you have built your life on any other fault than Jesus Christ, you are on shaky ground and you are setting yourself up For absolute failure. And let me go one step farther this morning. If Grove Park Church has built its foundation on anything other than the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're on shaky ground and we will not last the test of time. It is all about Jesus. How is your foundation this morning? Now you may be saying, I've got that taken care of, Pastor. It's all well and good. Well then, great. So what's the rest of your house look like? What's the rest of your house look like? Look with me to verses 12 through 15. Now if anyone builds on the foundation Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. What are you building out of? What's your walls look like? What's your roof look like this morning? You know, walls are important things, roofs are important things. When we bought our house, we didn't even know what color the siding was going to be. And so I was sitting here at the office right after we moved, we hadn't moved, but we had moved. And uh, you all know that saga. And uh, I'm sitting in the office, it's late in the evening and all of a sudden Scout comes running in and she says, boo, guess what? I said, what, Scout? She said, I went to our new house. I said, and you did? Yeah, and remember walls are important. She said, and our walls are Carolina blue. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. (laughs) Walls are important. It's why I believe at the end of verse 10, Paul says, let each one take care how he builds upon it, builds upon the foundation. In other words, take care is in the imperative it says be watchful be mindful take special interest in how you set up everything around the foundation God wants us to build with the very best materials because he gave the very best to make our foundation now here's the problem to build such a home requires intense intentionality we've got to be careful what we build with but the problem is is that too often in our christian walk we are very content with just having the foundation to put it another way, if, if you notice here in the text, in 12 through 15, he talks about building with all sorts of things, and he says in one day, there will be a time where this will all be tested by fire. And he says, and some of it's gonna be burned up, but the, one, but the, the guy's built his house on a firm foundation, so he'll get in. And a lot of times, you and I are like, well, I get in, that's all that matters. I'm going to get in heaven. That's all that matters. I don't care what my, my house may look like when I get there. Oh, beloved, that's no way to be. We must understand afresh that if earth is heaven's preparation room and there awaits for us in glory a house built not with hands eternal into the heavens built by God himself, that when we build here and we're preparing for there, we must build with the best possible stuff to prepare us for what we're going to get when we get to the other side. But how often do we do that? We must remember what 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says. As it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor how the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Build with the best stuff. So how do we do that? How do we make sure that if we go through the list here that's in 1 Corinthians 3, that we're not building with with straw, we're not not building with hay, we're, we're building with the best possible materials. Let's look back to the foundation. Let's look back to the cornerstone. If Jesus, the son of God, is our foundation. And we know that he exists with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, three as one. And we believe the scripture is true when it says that God is love. Then we understand that the foundations of our lives are built on love. And the best thing that we can structure our home with, the best building material we can find is love. I think that is at the heart of Jesus' instructions when asked about what is the greatest commandment in Matthew 22. Notice he says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these the two commandments depend all the law and the prophets love and did you notice how that love is structured there the greatest commandment is the love of God looking up and then a love of neighbor that goes out sounds pretty interesting if you think of it in terms of a house right looking up there takes care of our roof looking out there takes care of the walls so in other words we are to build our houses with love so that we have a roof of love and we have walls of love. How's your roof? How's your roof? I've learned something here lately. Some of you know this. Some of you might not. That my parents lost their home in Florence because of roof damage that allowed water to pour in and mess up their walls. Roofs are very, 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 important and so we must love God immensely we must love God with everything in us but how do we do that Now, if I were to take a poll this morning, I suspect that you all would give a a wide variety of answers, but I think they could boil down to a, a few essential things, and so let me do that this morning. We love God through our discipleship. Our discipleship, where our mind and our soul grow through learning and understand something, that if we go to the end of Matthew In chapter 28, that discipleship is not simply learning about God, it is also telling others about God. And so we learn and we grow our minds and our souls and we express love by telling of the glories of our amazing God. Not only that, we love God through our worship. Our worship. Dynamic worship is the word I want to put onto it. Dynamic comes as, is a word that is derived originally in the, from the Greek word for power, dunamis. Sounds familiar to something else too, right? Dynamite. There's a power to it. Our worship should be powerful where our heart is poured out to God as we express our thanks to him and our soul is fed as we enter into his presence. We want it to be dynamic because we want it life-changing. Not simply for us, but for everybody around us. Beloved, let me ask you a question this morning. If someone watched you worship this morning, would they want to know Jesus? Well, how did you do it? How did you do it? Did you you stand up when we stood up and you went, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. Was that how you did it? Roger, I'll ask Roger later. He'll tell me. You know, yesterday at the ball game, there was this uh, young lady who sat down in front of me and she didn't get up, she didn't cheer, she didn't do anything. And I wondered if she really was a Carolina fan. Now the rest of us, Carolina, Carolina's run a yard and we'd stand up and cheer. We were so happy. And you know, if one person stands up and then another person stands up, then it gets infectious. Everybody gets into it, right? I often say the best thing we could ever do for our university is to cheer loud because people want to come there. Well, guess what, beloved? If someone comes off the street and we and they come into our worship and we want them to know about Jesus Christ, then our worship should be so dynamic that we should be so involved in singing our praises to God that they want what we have. But instead, very often, you and I just sit there and go, well, that's done with. That's not God-honoring, beloved. That's not God-honoring. God wants us to bring our best, to show our best, to express in so magnificent terms how great and good and holy He is. To not just say we love Him, but to show our love. And then there's the love of our neighbor. Our love of God should cause us to want to love our neighbors more. As we see more and more of God and we know that every person has been created in the likeness of God, then we should know that we want them to know God who made them. And we want, as we fall more in love with him, for them to fall in love with him. But sadly, you and I are really good on loving God. And so our roof is real great but our walls are shaky because we've built our roof so high but our walls, because our love doesn't necessarily reach the points that it should, doesn't necessarily support the roof. Why is that? Well, quite simply, we have a natural tendency, I believe, to limit our love to our, for our neighbor to those who look, think, think, And act like us. It's far easier to love someone who who acts like we do. Than to love someone who doesn't. It's far easier to love someone who we find complete agreement with. Than to love someone who we find almost no agreement with. This week... Some of you have shared with me a a meme that you have seen. I think it's important in light of the recent events in our nation. It's a description of love thy neighbor. I want to share it with you. It said, love thy neighbor, thy homeless neighbor, thy Muslim neighbor, thy Republican neighbor, thy Democrat neighbor, thy black neighbor, Thy immigrant neighbor, thy Jewish neighbor, thy Christian neighbor, thy atheist neighbor, thy disabled neighbor, thy gay neighbor, thy addicted neighbor. There's not a lot of wiggle room there, is there? Love all of them. Now somehow or another, In our society, we have gotten the idea that love necessitates approval and so we find it difficult to love people that we don't approve of their actions. Let me remind us of something this morning. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Understand something, beloved. God does not approve of our sin. He doesn't approve of our sin. That sin that that you're thinking of right now in your life that nobody else knows about, God doesn't approve that. But he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. to reach out to us, to be an expression of love so that we wouldn't be forever doomed by sin's curse. And it is our task to love our neighbor even when we don't approve of what they are doing so that through the expression of our love, we may point them to that perfect expression of love, Jesus Christ, that they too may be free from sin's curse. And so with that example, we must go forward and love the world. We love them by serving them, knowing that when we serve the least of these, we are serving God and his kingdom, sharing our faith with them and caring for what is most important to them which more often than not, as we have shared before, is their children. We go forward. And I pray today we would resolve in our own hearts that we would build our lives and we would build Grove Park around our love for God and our love for our neighbor. Through our discipleship, our worship, our service to God's kingdom, and and paying particular care to extravagantly, extravagantly love those who are the most forgotten children and youth. For then, you and I will have a structure of our home that will be unshakable. So let me ask you something this morning. How's your home? How's its foundation? How's its walls? Do you need a little roof repair? Maybe you need some new siding. A Little touch up paint here or there? I don't know. You do. But until we make our home filled as a place of love, those people out there will never know what it's like to find a home here. How's your home today? Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would all find home. That we would find home and create homes, Lord, where love is expressed, love is felt, a love of God, and a love of every neighbor. Father, speak to us and show us, Lord, where we come up short in loving you and loving everyone else. And Lord, if there's one here today who has never made their foundation sure through a relationship with your son, I pray they do so, that they would be set on a firm foundation.